Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. There we go. Welcome in. This is Overtime with Jillian and Chris here on 610 Sports Radio, the radio.com sports app. My name is Chris Unocero. I am not joined by Jillian Carroll today because Jillian Carroll, see, she's an Emmy Award winner. She has her own television show down in Wichita, and she's too good for us. So, Getting too big for us, man. She's way too big for us. So she is currently out not just of the area, not just out of the Midwest. She is out of the country. She is currently right now in Paris, France. Uh, I think that's how they pronounce it over there in Paris. It's, it's called Paris. Paris. I'm trying to. I try to say it with a French. You're getting accent. too fancy. With it. I tried to say it with a French reel, accent. Reel it back in. I haven't taken French in uh, like 15 years. So. So now's the time you decide to. Try. I tried to. I tried to dust it off and whip it out, but it didn't work. <laughs> she is in Paris at the Women's World Cup. So uh, she will not be here today. She's taken a lot of uh, great pictures on uh, on Facebook. She uh, took a picture earlier where she was in front of the Eiffel Tower. And uh, I'm going to be very, very pissed at her if she doesn't bring me and Julio back some souvenirs because uh, we didn't get invited to this trip. Not only, not only we didn't get invited to this trip, we didn't even got to get invited to SKC Media, the, the SKC Media game. She got invited. We didn't get invited. So I'm feeling... I'm feeling pretty down about that. Like she's uh, clearly has us in her shadow. Clearly not on her level. Not on her okay. level. We need to improve. But yeah, this is Christina uh, Ocero, Julio Sanchez, keeping things going on the other side of the glass, doing all the hard work. We're going to be here till five o'clock. Uh, then at five thirty, Royals pregame will start, and you'll have Cody Tap with the uh, with Cody's on deck show as he gets you ready for Game Two of Royals and Twins up in the North. Uh, they uh, the game was originally scheduled for I think I think it was um, I think it was like six oh six six oh seven I think it was but they pushed it back to six forty seven because there's going to be some sort of pregame festivities celebration etc. Yeah, don't uh, don't pay attention to the uh, Royals website yeah, or don't. the MLB website, don't. which both have the uh, yeah, the, the wrong, wrong time. start time. By yeah, the way. they have the original start off. time and they have pushed it back. So yeah, our coverage will start at five thirty. There, the game will actually start at six. 47, I believe. I believe that's the, the, the time that I saw in the email. So make sure you keep it right here as we Way to get go, you MLB. Ready. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> so we got a great show for you today. Obviously, we're going to have a lot of Chiefs talk here. Uh, there's a whole lot to talk about with Chris Jones, Tyreek Hill, um, et cetera, et cetera. But I want to start with this controversy that has happened with the U.S. women's national team and the, uh, and the, the Women's World Cup. So earlier this week, there was a lot of uh, controversy because 
the women's U.S. women's national team put the beat down on the the uh, the Thai women's national team. They won in their first matchup in the women's World Cup by a score of thirteen nothing. Which, uh, if we were trying to relate that to like baseball, that's like a you know a twenty one twenty two nothing score. It it doesn't happen very often at the professional level or international level. It it was an ass whooping of the century. But the big story, some people obviously had their issues with the number of goals scored. Uh, I believe the uh, one of the panel, one of the uh, panel, the commentators for Fox tried to make a case that maybe they should have held back once they got to like six, seven, eight, nine goals. But he was quickly shot down by the, by Alexi Lawless and the rest of the panel. But the big controversy was about the celebrations and about how after each and every celebration, I mean each and every goal, the U.S. Women's National Team would celebrate. They'd come together, they'd hug, they'd cheer, they'd run around. They had fun out there. And so it rubbed some people the wrong way. There was a uh, a, a panelist on TSN's, uh, on P- TSN's post-game coverage, and she was talking about how that, oh, Canadians would never act this way and criticize the, the, the women for having fun. The women have been very vocal about, you know, very vocal in defiance of this criticism. Canadians like to cheer for players yeah. that are hurt, though. Yeah. Oh, they do. They do. And we'll throw we'll that get, out there. We'll get into that a little bit later. But they they clearly a lot. It clearly rubbed a lot of people the wrong way with all these celebrations that we're having. But I think one of the things that 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 people need to realize is that sports is about fun. Sports is about entertainment. I mean, some people are entertained by the actual goings on, but a lot of us are entertained by the entire product as a whole. Not just what happens on the field, but the pageantry that leads up to what happens on the field, the storylines that lead up to what happened on the field, and the way that these teams celebrate and derive joy from what happens on the field. And to me, one of the things that I have, I, I have an issue with is that people take sports too seriously at times. And they look at this situation and they're like, what if you hurt the feelings of these players when they go out there and they have fun and they see their opposing they they see the opposing team doing well and celebrating and having fun? What's well, it's going to hurt the opposing team's feelings? They're going to treat them bad. When the hell have we cared about other people's feelings like that? We don't. We sit there and talk trash to opposing teams' fans all the time. I have seen at Arrowhead Stadium numerous times many a times were people who were wearing different uh the, the the jersey of the opposing team in there treated like trash when they go there i was at a washington game back in 2005 and and this washington fan tripped when he was trying to get out of the stand so we can go to the concession stand or bathroom or whatever and he tripped and fell and then after that happened i saw like six people six chiefs fans throw beers at this person this was that's weird. Yeah, they threw beers at this. I don't think this person was like antagonizing people or anything, but they treated him like trash. I've seen New England fans get it at Arrowhead. I have seen so many people get it at Arrowhead. So for some reason, we're okay with treating fans like like garbage, but we don't want the players to treat each other, to go out there and have fun and and potentially hurt each other's feelings by having fun. Look here. Here here's the thing. Okay, this is professional players. Playing in the most at the peak of 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 their sport. This this tournament comes around once every four years, mm-hmm. right? This is not twelve year olds, right? This is this is not college, right? There's there's no mercy rule, right? The, 
you are at the peak and the pinnacle of 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 your career, right? Most at the very best, right? You uh, a player, the best players in the world play in what maybe three, maybe four, three, maybe four, yeah. At the very best, usually it's one or two. You go out there and you get whatever you can. And and my stance is, you know what? Especially as a professional, if you don't like it, don't let them score. Mm-hmm. Don't let them score. And once they got to six, seven, eight, you pack that box and you you stand in front of that goal. And if you have to put it put each other on shoulders so that they can't make it into the goal, you do whatever you need. Don't let them score. If you got to create the chain link like they do in that's Red Rover, saying. that's what you got to do. Red Rover, Red Rover, Red Rover. You yeah. you do what you need to to mm-hmm. not let them score. And the other, you know, the opposing team wasn't. Didn't seem like their feelings were all that hurt by it either. No. So no. how are you going to be offended when the team that just got destroyed by thirteen goals doesn't even care? Like the the Thai sensitive. players we're, were, were too sensitive. The Thai players too were sensitive. praising the U.S. women's national team after that game. They were praising them, mind you. Well, because it's embarrassing. You're 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 in the World Cup, and to have another team back off and put all of the backup players and then purposely just play possession ball to not score, that's even more embarrassing, yeah, than, be embarrassing 13, than getting 13 than getting 13-0. And when I was in when I was in high school, uh we played uh <laughs> our team my high my soccer team was really bad. And we went out and this I, I can't remember what school it was. It might have been Lee Summit West. It might have been Excelsior Springs. The first half they played their JV team and they whooped our ass. It was like six nothing. And then, this is our varsity team, mind you. And then the second half, they put their varsity team in, and they proceeded to whoop our ass even more, and we got mercy ruled. But like, and so that was like a little insulted to me that you were like, "Yeah, well, you're so you're so bad. We're going to put our JV team in on you." And I'd rather have just start? got mercy ruled in the first <laughs> to, half. to start first half. They put their JV team in. <laughs> That's embarrassing. They whooped I mean. our asses. Like it was, it was like I think it was like six nothing in that first. It was bad. I was I was embarrassed because I was like, I mean, "Why are we losing to this JV team? We're a varsity, but we were a terrible team." So I would have felt better if they would have just mercy ruled us like all the other teams did. Like, to me, I don't like when people ease off the gas pedal, in part for the team that's actually easing off because it can lead to you losing sometimes or not finishing as well as you thought you did, you thought you could have. And two, I also don't like it because it is, it, to me, it's more of an insult than, than trying to continue to score. To, to take your foot off the gas pedal, gas pedal is saying, yeah, I don't think you're a threat to me, so I'm just not going to try anymore. So, well, And not to mention, the first the first thing that they bring up with it, as far as a tiebreaker goes and moving to the next round is goal, goal differential. differential. Mm-hmm. So every goal matters. It, you need, They needed all 13 goals. You don't know what if they would have stopped at six or seven. What if it, it, you know the next round they're, they're tied and they lose by a, a goal because of that goal differential, then then what? You, no, you put in as many as you can to get to the next round. And if you can get a hat trick in a World Cup game, like that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Mm-hmm. You go out and you get yours. And another thing I don't like is like you hear the, the talk all the time, well, act like you've been there before. Like To me, one of the things, if you watch sports long enough, you know that the act like you've been there before argument to me is a terrible one just because... One of the things we've seen, and we just saw this with the Golden State Warriors, is that when all you have to do is leave any sort of opening and it's done. And all of a sudden now, the the success that you had goes away really, really quickly. We just saw the Warriors just fall by the wayside because fate and destiny had it in for them this year and prevented them from winning a title with all these injuries. You got to act like this might be the last time you'll ever do it. Not like you've been there before. 
because for all you know, it might be. It might. This might be the last time that the UN's women, U.S. women's national team is this good in a long time. I mean, it's really tough to be this good, and it might be the last time they, they do it for a while. So why not enjoy it while you can, especially because a lot of the players on this team, they're in their early to mid-30s. They might not be in for the next World Cup four years from now. Enjoy it while you can. Well, and, and let's throw this in there with the fact that some of those more high-profile player in hell, some of the, you know, the, the mid-level players, if you go out there like, say, an Alex Morgan who is, is already, I mean, she gets all the endorsements and stuff, mm-hmm. but if you go out there and you put five goals in, that creates buzz around your name, right, and sets you up long-term for, for, mar- for more marketability, more, more money down the road. Like, that, that puts a little bit of buzz around your name. You go out there and you get, you get your money. You get your goals, you get your money, you get your fame. Yeah, it's it's all about get that branding. It's about making money, and it's about trying to have as much fun as you can out there because you never know when it's going to end. So I just I don't like the idea of trying to spare the feelings of professional athletes. If you need your feelings spared as a professional athlete, maybe you're in the wrong profession. Like if I sat here and was offended by every terrible thing that people say to me on the protein house eat with the purpose text line, I'd say this: I wouldn't be cut out for this. Text line never says anything. Yeah, bad they say about you well, about, about, maybe about never. you, maybe about they don't say anything bad about Jillian. They say a lot of bad things about me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not Fesco level. I'm not Ron level, but I'm, I'm getting there. They, they don't like. I haven't checked it this far to the segment, but I'm pretty sure when I check it during the break, I'm, I'm some people are going to be saying mean things to me on the text line. Coming up. We get into this Chris Jones situation. I break it down as simply as I possibly can about why the Chiefs have to re-sign Chris Jones. That's next. Back in here on Overtime with Jillian and Chris here on 610 Sports Radio and the Radio.com app. Uh, I am Chris Nocero. Follow me on Twitter at Cero to 60. That is at C-E-R-O-T-O-6-0. I'm trying to get to 700 here. I'm like, I'm at 682, I think. It, it's been fluctuating between like 679 and 685 for the last couple weeks or so. So I'm trying to get to 700 here. I'm still trying to figure out how you're verified. I don't Well, because the Royals, that's why. Because the Royals are the reason why I got verified because I got verified right after they won that World Series. It was like the day after. I think they just felt sorry for you, really. No, they didn't feel sorry for they me. They're like, oh, he works for, for 610 Sports Radio, the home of the Royals, checkmark. I, did, I, thought I, was, I thought I was getting pranked there. I didn't know what it was. So, yeah, follow me at Sarah to 60 I have to, have to have the lowest follower count of any verified account on Twitter. I have to. Fact. It has to be a fact. That's Guinness World Record right there. I actually might keep it that way just because I, uh, I can get my Guinness World Records medal. Uh, also follow Julio at the Julio Sanch. He uh, he's started to tweet now within the last month or so. So uh, that's not true. Yeah, it's like the last month. Yeah, you because you were off of it for months. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were true. off of it for that's true. months. It's true. And like I think it was like right after uh, the show ended when you were doing the show with Ron and, and Serta. It was like right after that you stopped. You like went on a sabbatical from Twitter. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not the biggest social media guy, but. <laughs> back also uh follow our missing host uh uh, uh jillian carroll is at jillian thomas 22 uh she's gonna be she's probably right now still posting stuff from her amazing trip from paris that she didn't invite us on she's a furious tweeter furious tweeter furious facebook poster Fast fingers she's uh she's got she she's quick with those instagram stories too and she like sneaks them up on you she'll like post them real quick and you don't even know you're being recorded on there uh, I think she got one where I was like, I think I was talking to you once. 
and during a break and she luckily it wasn't anything that that would be offensive if it went over the air so yeah follow us on our social media accounts also follow the station at 610 sports kc which you probably do anyways because uh we've got literally tens of thousands of followers so i want to get into this chris jones situation here um uh, I think it was I think it was Thursday or Friday. Uh, Bob Fesco, Fesco in the morning here on Six Ten Sports Radio, reported that supposedly the Chiefs and the uh, and Chris Jones's camp are very far apart in uh, these negotiations here for a new contract extension for him. Uh, the Chiefs' defensive tackle that uh, is that led the team in sacks, third in the league in sacks, fifteen and a half. Uh, supposedly they are twenty five million dollars of guaranteed money apart on a deal and so that means you know we're, we're thinking you know probably what 67 to 42 somewhere you know that's probably the difference as far as the guaranteed money goes and so it brings up the question of how much do the Chiefs need Chris Jones because if they don't retain Chris Jones's services obviously it their defense takes a hit from what it is right now they definitely get worse on their defense but it's a matter of how much worse do you get and so people right now here in the city uh, are trying to weigh the options of what a future is like without Chris Jones on your team. And I, I think that this is really simple. The Chiefs need Chris Jones way more than Chris Jones needs the Chiefs. Chris Jones doesn't need to play for the Chiefs. He doesn't need to be here to make his money. He doesn't need to be here to have success. He'll, he can go play for a lot of other teams that will pay him big money, and he can just latch on to another quarterback. Like he can go latch on to Aaron Rodgers or you know Tom Brady if the, the Patriots decide to actually pay somebody big money on their defense. He can go play for one of these other top-flight quarterbacks, make big, big money, and be a star. Because I think everyone is in agreement that Chris Jones is one of the premier pass rushers in the league and is probably going to be that for the next three to five years or so. Chris Jones doesn't need to be in Kansas City. He doesn't need it to increase his profile. He doesn't need it to make money. But Kansas City needs Chris Jones. Not only from a standpoint of we need a great player on our defense that's going to help this team win, because I think we're all we're all in agreement. If this defense was mediocre last year, they win the Super Bowl. They were so bad, yet they got so far, that if they were just mediocre on defense, you win a Super Bowl. And so... If you have a guy like Chris Jones that is able to play in an elite level, then you should try to retain that guy. It's different if you're talking about trying to retain an Anthony Hitchens and somebody's willing to pay him $20 million over three years. No, you're talking about the third best pass rusher in the league last year. And he's, what, 25 years old? Going into his fourth year of his his NFL career? You should pay that guy if he goes out there and shows that he's got elite stuff. See, but, but here's the thing. I know the Chiefs are getting a lot of flack about about not signing him. And, I mean, they and, just and they just pay kind of letting it linger. They just pay butt kicker twenty million dollars over five years, so they yeah. deserve a little flack for that. I mean, they, they do, just pay a kicker they, they four million dollars on average per year. They do, but they don't. I mean, look, you're going to pay. You, you're bringing in. A, you're, you completely revamped your defense, right? So you mm-hmm. right now you have no idea what you're getting, right? Last year, he was an elite player, right? Mm-hmm. How 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 good was this defense? Because if if I remember correctly, statistically they were the worst in the league still. Correct? Yeah, it was like second right? worst. I think it was. So so not only were they the worst in the league basically last year, right? 
Now you're revamping your defense, so you have no idea what you're going to get this year, right? And you're going to go ahead and pay him now, so you're to where you're going to have two of the top five highest paid defensive linemen in the league mm-hmm. for a defense that you have no idea what you're getting when you don't have to pay him right now. That it makes no sense. Whether you pay him now or you pay him next year or you franchise him and pay him the year after, it, I think that's the route that they're going to. I, I, I think Chiefs fans need to prepare themselves for not paying Chris Jones and him not being on this team. I think it, it, probably I think what will happen is they'll let him play out this year. They'll franchise him next year. If they can get something in a trade from him, they'll get something. If not, they'll pay him that franchise tag tender, and then they'll, let, they'll cut him loose. That that's that's what I think is going to happen. And I think fans need to need to be prepared for that. I think I think they're especially on the defensive side of the ball. They're more they're more apt at going with the system and how good they can fit players into the system rather than playing pay, or paying players for talent. And and I I personally am okay with that. And I'm okay with them taking that route, right? Because I don't want another Justin Houston situation. And not that I'm comparing him to Justin Houston because I think they're two totally different players. But I am still a little, a little hurt on on that Justin Houston contract and, and the Eric Berry contract, <laughs> and I, I I'm okay with not paying him and seeing what you get and then franchise tagging him next year and letting him walk. Here's the that's problem. just me. Here's the problem though. If one of the things like this is the hardcore this is hardcore football talk right here. One of the things we know about Spags defense, it needs pass rushers to be able to work. If you look at what, what what the defense was at the very height of its existence, which is when he was with the Giants and they were they won those two Super Bowls, they were out there running you know front you know defensive front lines where they got four defensive ends out there, the NASCAR lineup, and and they were just going out there and just trying to get as many great pass rushers as they could on that off, on that defensive line because their defense heavy zone scheme let's rush the passer let's let's create pressure and let's force him to make mistakes with who he's going to throw to based on the coverage that we have. You can't do that if you're trading one of your elite pass rushers. You can't do that if you say, hey, we're just going to let this guy walk at the end of the year because we don't want to pay him big-time money. If you've got a guy that's shown to be elite, you got to pay him. you got to keep him. you got to do whatever you have to do to keep him, especially because we know that this defense doesn't have to be top 10 in the NFL for this team to be successful. We just know that they've got to be mediocre. And if you can have a great pass rush, and if you can force teams to have to punt maybe a few times in a big game, and you your offense is able to go out there and get a big lead and be able to keep it, be able to hold a 17-point lead and so you can win, you can win championships. And here's the thing is, like, the point of, of paying these guys big money is so you win a championship. You're not. This is not a team that's 8-8. Eight and eight. This is not a team that's that's trying to be a contender. This is a team that's already contender that's trying to make sure that they win a Super Bowl. You don't win Super Bowls by letting elite players leave from your team because they cost too much. It'd be different if we we're, to, like I said, it'd be different if we're talking about like Anthony Hitchens commanding like $20 million. Like if you have a guy like that who's commanding way too much damn money, you just let him walk. But if you've got a guy that has shown to be one of the elites at his position and his position is as important as it is because he's a pass rusher, you got to pay that guy. Yeah, but they had the most sacks in the league last year, which which means they had the pass rushers last year, and it still didn't do them any good. And and if you can get similar production, not not the same production, but if you can get similar production by committee and save millions and millions of dollars not having to commit long-term to a player like that to where one injury and you're totally screwed, 
right? And you get that by committee. I'd, I'd rather take that route only because, because of the Patrick Mahomes effect. You don't need an elite defense. You, you, you just need a mediocre defense. You don't need two of the top five defensive linemen paid in the NFL. You, you don't, that to me, that's a waste. That's a waste of money. Get similar production. Spread that talent level and that money across the board, right? Create a little more depth and have a mediocre defense and have still keep that elite offense going. I, that's just, again, that's just my preference. I just don't think that, it, I think it's a lot harder to win when you're trying to win by committee in such an important position than if you're trying to go out here and just say, we've got an elite guy. Let's if you didn't it. have an elite quarterback, I'd say yes. But when you have an elite quarterback, I think you can take that approach. They had an elite quarterback last year. and it, They know, did, it but they enough. didn't have a mediocre defense. They had they one had of the defense, worst defenses But it wasn't, the, it wasn't the, the fault of the pass rush. Yeah. It was the fault of everybody else. Would, but would you agree that had they had a, a top 20 defense? Yeah. They yeah. would they, they, that's not they the, probably would have played in the Super Bowl. They would have won, won. won the Super Bowl. Right? right? And that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, I just don't think that – I don't think you your defense gets better if you lose Chris Jones and you say, let's spread that no, money around. I just don't better. think you get better. But that's the thing, though, is like I think you're making it much tougher for you to get to that mediocre level when you decide not to pay Chris I, Jones. I just think it's too, too much of a high-risk, high-reward situation for me when you have an equalizer on the other side of the ball. To me, it's higher risk. When you're like, we're not going to pay the great player. One one injury, man. One injury, and, and that you you don't have the depth that you could have by spreading that money out. I, I, I don't mean, know. If a I'm lot of teams change, are man. one injury. One injury on at your quarterback spot can completely change. All the more reason to have that depth. Everything uh, to me. All is the just more like, reason. I think they've got depth. I just think you you got to pay the guy when he, you got a guy that's shown to be elite. You got to pay the guy. Coming up next, we've learned a lot about the Tyreek Hill situation. There's a lot of stuff that we still don't know about it. I I give you my thoughts on how we should approach this situation from now on. That's next. Second quarter here on Overtime. With Jillian and Chris here on 610 Sports Radio and the Radio.com app, I'm Chris Inocero, joined by my producer, Julio Sanchez. And uh, Jillian is not here. She is in Paris at the Women's World Cup, taking a lot of cool pictures, sightseeing, and uh, we are, uh, we have, I have posted this on Facebook already on her post where she was in front of the Eiffel Tower. She better, she better bring us back some souvenirs or uh, myself and Julio are going to be pissed. So earlier this week, it came out. It was reported by sources that um, that Tyreek Hill had reportedly, him or and his fiance had not uh, done anything to harm their son that resulted in him uh, breaking his arm. And it was also confirmed, It had, it's also been confirmed recently that the investigation into whether or not he or his fiance uh, had had injured their child, you know, that it resulted in a broken arm. That investigation is officially closed for the second time now. So it's obviously brought into question the the penalty phase, the penalty aspect from the NFL. And I think everybody is in agreement. I've been hearing this on many different shows and whatnot that in all likelihood, Tyreek Hill is going to get suspended two to four games. And 
And I can completely understand why they, the NFL would do it from their point of view. Uh, I've heard people make the argument that the NFL has not set the precedent for, you know, in, for punishing people for doing this. So in that regard, it would lead to one to believe that maybe they don't punish him. I don't think that's going to happen because uh, the NFL doesn't have much precedent for punishing people for a lot of the things that they have done. And yet they still have been pretty harsh about their punishments for anything that would make the league look bad in recent years. If you look at the precedent for domestic violence, it was one or two games in previous years. You go 20 years back, you get one or two games for domestic violence. Now you get six games, if not more. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it could be, it it could be a situation where you miss an entire year, depending on the situation. So uh, the NFL, the precedent doesn't really matter. It's about how the NFL thinks they can do best to please their sponsors and how the NFL feels they can do best to uh, help their image so that people don't look at them as a league that does not care about women who make a significant portion of their viewing audience. But I feel like a lot of the reporting that has happened in this situation has been a little, it's been, it's been a little disingenuous, I think. Not because we have learned anything that would prove he's guilty or innocent. Because I don't think there is any real proof that has absolved Tyreek Hill of any wrongdoing or has proven that he has committed any wrongdoing. I've always felt like there really isn't a situation where we should be jumping on any one side of the uh, of the of the of the coin here. We shouldn't be having any strong opinion either way because we're working with a lot of mystery, a lot of unknown. We don't know a lot of what the the situation that's happened not even the district attorney knows that stuff that's the reason why he's declined to press any charges even though he swore up and down that he believed that some sort of wrongdoing had happened because there's nothing that shows that his belief or the people that at work at his office it there's nothing that shows that their belief it can be provable in court we don't know anything and so to me it's always it's been a little it's been a little crazy how people have kind of jumped on this bandwagon and said, yeah, you know, I believe this or I believe that. And I'm seeing Chiefs fans go either way. I'm seeing Chiefs fans say he should never play for the team again, even though they don't know what happened. I've seen uh, a lot of Chiefs fans who think that, oh, yeah, he's great. He's been absolved. He, hasn't, he didn't do it. I know he didn't do it here. See, he does not, he's not getting charged. And I think there's a lot of people that have kind of backed themselves into a corner on this. And have kind of come and look, come out looking bad on this because they don't know enough to really have a strong opinion. But they 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 have come out and had a strong opinion on this. Like listen to Mike Florio here from Pro, uh, from Pro Football Talk uh, talk about what he thinks the punishment will be for for Tyreek Hill for this season. Now, what I believe is, given what the NFL told me on Friday about the news of no active criminal investigation not affecting their posture. I believe that however it gets explained, however it gets clarified, however it gets resolved, whatever words they use, we aren't seeing Tyree kill this year. We're not going to see him. Because whenever he shows up, his situation will have to be explained on national television in one of the many Chiefs games played in primetime or in that 425 p.m. Eastern slot on a Sunday. And the NFL is not going to want that type of information discussed, explained, attached to season 100. That's why I believe Tyreek Hill is not going to play this year. Now, first and foremost, let's completely do, let's let's tackle that first idea, the belief that they don't want this to be associated with their league. 
The NFL's got a lot of people that are convicted for a lot of terrible bleep. They've got a lot of people that have done terrible things wrong. If the NFL didn't want people like that being, you know, issues like that being discussed during their broadcast, regardless of how many, you know, what number season it was, if they didn't want that stuff discussed, Tyreek Hill would have never played in the NFL because uh, we obviously know that he was, he had played guilty. He took a plea deal for charges of assaulting his, you know, pregnant girlfriend who is now his fiance. Like, we know that that situation was something that has hung over this team in the three years that Tyreek Hill has been a Kansas City Chief. And so the idea that the NFL all of a sudden now would not want him associated with it when you obviously have a situation where he has had a cloud hang over him for three years now, to me, doesn't make any sense. And I just feel like this is a situation where this is, you know, just like a lot of other people, you have people that have taken a side in this in this debate that don't have all the information because none of us have all the information none of us know what happened in the in in uh, that home that led to that child breaking his arm none of us know what happened back in 2014 in in that assault charge we don't have an, enough evidence to have an opinion we don't have enough evidence to say yeah i know exactly what happened guilty or innocent none of us have that information and so i just don't feel comfortable jumping to, to a conclusion and saying this person should never play for the Chiefs again or this person should never play in the NFL again as if we know all the information. Because if there wasn't enough strong evidence, then obviously Tyreek Hill would not be a Chief right now. The Chiefs were very, very adamant in not releasing him around draft time because the perfect time would have been to, to release him the day of the, uh, the day one of the draft after that audio came out. They didn't do it. Even though we already saw how they handled the Kareem Hunt situation and they set that precedent, they didn't do it. There's a reason why. Because there's nothing that we have seen that says definitively, beyond all reasonable doubt, he did it. Now, I, I certainly think the NFL is going to suspend Tyreek because they're trying to protect their brand. They're trying to protect the brands of their sponsors. And this is just the right thing to do for their situation. It 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 could very well likely be unfair to Tyreek if he did indeed, if he indeed did not do what he has been accused of. But that's just what the NFL is about. I just don't feel like you can be in a situation where you can jump to any sort of conclusion on guilt or innocence when you don't have the information. And especially when the DA's office is not willing to go out and press charges because they seem to think that they, they, they know that they don't really have anything right now to prove that he's guilty of any sort of crime. So I just don't feel like we should be jumping so headstrong into these accusations like that. Coming up next, Tyree... Uh, uh, Matt Beasler wrote a very emotional, very powerful letter addressing sporting Kansas City fans. We're going to talk about that next. Back in here on Overtime with Jillian and Chris. Here on Six and Sports Radio and the Radio.com app, Chris Inocero, Julio Sanchez, no Jillian Carroll. She is in Paris, France at the Women's World Cup. And we're getting into Sporting Kansas City here because uh, team captain and uh, star player Matt Beasler came out and wrote a very heartfelt, emotional letter, posted this on Twitter. I believe this was yesterday. It was almost 24 hours ago. And the main point of this letter is him talking about 
essentially he wanted to get off of his chest the frustrations that he and the rest of this sporting Kansas City team have had about their season. Um, it has been an embarrassing year for sporting Kansas City. Uh, they have been at the very bottom of the barrel in the Western Conference for a, a while now, and they started the season off really strong. You know, getting, uh, what was it, to the semifinals in the, uh, in the uh, CONCACAF Champions League? Then they faced Monterey and uh, proceeded to just get wiped in the, the two games that they played. And since then, once they, you know, since they got to league play here, they have been, uh, they really have not played particularly well at all. And, uh, you know, just this last Wednesday, they got eliminated from the U.S. Open Cup, losing 4-1 to one to Minnesota United FC. Really, really bad showing thus far. And this letter is very much a venting process here. Um, obviously he points out the injuries, which are the biggest, I think the, the main factor, if we're pointing out, doling out percentages, I would say the highest percentage as far as the reasons why they are, they are hurting is because of the injuries. But when you also look at the way that this team has, has performed, even when they have had their very best players on their squad, they have not performed particularly well. And when you look at the the system that they have been playing, like it has worked in past years, this year, and ain't working the way that it, it normally has. And so it's a combination of so many different things. I know that in this letter, he tries to take some of the heat off of Peter Vermees and and very much tries to say, hey, injuries and, you know, definitely our performance. But I think you can't take all of the heat off of Vermees. Vermees certainly deserves some blame for what has happened because I feel like, if you look at the way that this team has played, I think that they have kind of failed to find that balance between offense and defense. There are times when they're good on defense and then they get an opportunity to go back on offense and push the ball down the field and get an opportunity to score, and they don't do it. You see like one, two guys getting down the field, the rest of the team still back on their half of the field, and the offensive opportunity fails. Or you see them push up, get the opposing team on their heels, they're not able to do anything with the ball, turn it over, the opposing team counterattacks, push it back down the field, easy score. You saw that against Monterey. Uh, you saw that, you, you've seen that in a lot of games. I know we saw that against Atlanta United when they came here, uh, I think it was a month, month and a half ago. They have, it, there's a lot of reasons why. Obviously injuries, but it isn't just injuries that's, that has hurt them. It is bad play and it is, the strategy, the style, the system that the team has been using, not really working for this talent group. And I think we should not be trying to push the blame away from all these from all these different aspects, including Vermees. Well, I, because I don't think it's it's I, I think there's a lot of things that are playing into this failures as opposed to just one thing. And not not even just, you know, Peter Vermees. I, I think really more of the blame falls on on the organization. For, for not giving Vermees the talent, you know. Yeah. Even even coming into this year, you know, I was one that was that was extremely concerned and, and said this is a fringe playoff team. Right? Mm-hmm. With, with a lot of the pieces that that they lost, um, you know, over the summer with trades and 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 not just offensively but defensively as well, especially defensively. Yeah, psycho Park. Yeah, I mean, there's the, they lost a lot of solid pieces and, and didn't really replace it with with much, and so. Peter doesn't really have much to work with. So when you when you're when you have a lack of talent on top of injury, I mean, what what more can you expect? So while I while I appreciate Beasler, you know, 
kind of putting it out there and, and trying to take some of the heat for this. I mean, at the end of the day, it does fall on the organization, which, which you know, historically has been a really good organization. But, you know, the last few years they have spent quite a bit of money, and they've been towards the top of the MLS as, as far as salaries go, mm-hmm. and they're, they're trying to reel it back in. But this is what happens when, when you're not willing to spend money and you have bigger teams coming in the league like Atlanta FC that's willing to put that money, to spend that money to bring the talent in. I mean, again, I said up front, this is going to be a fringe playoff team. Yeah, and I was I was right around that. I thought they'd be a little bit better than what you thought, but I, I certainly did think that they were not going to be as good as they were last year. I think one of the, and this is one of the things that Vermee said in a, in a conference call before the season even started. He talked about how it's difficult to recruit players to come to Kansas City because a lot of them don't know where the hell Kansas City is. And a lot of them don't understand how big this city is. I mean, how big this country is. And so Kansas City is not like a two-hour car drive away from New York City. You know, there's a lot of people that come here and think you can just drive four hours between New York and Miami. That's not the case. That's not, that's not how it works. This country is a lot larger. And I know that's one of the things that was reported about, like, like Johnny Russell. Johnny Russell was surprised by, A, how humid it was here in Kansas City during the summer and about how large the country is. And so the travel can be really tough and that's understandable. It could be tough to travel around this country when you have such a, you know, such a high amount of travel where you're going, you know, like the, you know, can't the sporting Kansas city travels a lot by plane. They go across the country a lot. There's a lot of opponents that they are, you know, and they just, you know, went up to Minnesota and, you know, that's a long, uh, a long flight. That is travel that they have to get used to. And, you know, it's midweek, too, so it makes it even tougher. I completely understand that it can be difficult to recruit people to come to Kansas City. But you know what? I don't hear Les Miles complaining about trying to recruit people to go play at Kansas. He's just going to go and try to do it. You know, I didn't see uh, Gary Pinkle, you know, complaining about trying to recruit people to come to play in Columbia, Missouri. He just did it. Lloyd Carr didn't he didn't have any any problem recruiting people to come play to go up and play in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I certainly as hell would never want to live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. This sounds like a terrible place to live. The weather is has to be awful there. He had no problem doing it. Urban Meyer, he had no problem recruiting people to go play in Columbus, Ohio. So when we start and and I and granted you're you're recruiting domestic players to come play in your sport in college football versus international players in soccer, but you know what? It it isn't that hard for people to go out there and recruit them to go play for some small club in Germany. I see a lot of Bundesliga teams go out there and recruit American players who are like 15, 16 to come play for their clubs. So it certainly can't be that hard to me. It's, I mean, obviously, yeah, you can look at the, the, uh, the, the talent and you can, you, you can look at the, the organization and say, Hey, maybe you're not spending enough money and whatnot. I mean, I think there's, I think they're certainly willing to spend money on guys who they think are probably going to overperform their contracts. But I think they probably should start going after maybe getting that one guy, that one superstar player that maybe you pay like 4 or 5 million dollars to a year and that guy turns into a real star player. Look at look at DC United. They just went out and got Wayne Rooney a year ago and he has been he has engineered a really huge turnaround for DCU. Wayne Rooney has come out there and made that team a real championship contending team. And he was past his prime when he was when he was uh, in his latter years at Manchester United. So the idea that these guys can't go out there and spend money and recruit that one big player that they need to help them get over the top, 
I mean, man, I'm watching Atlanta United go out there and spend money to get uh, Joseph Martinez. Uh, I mean, you just saw LAFC before last season go out there and spend money to get guys like uh, Carlos Vela and whatnot. Look, all you got to do is just get that one superstar player, and it helps your team out so much. And maybe play a little bit more of an aggressive style that fits with what this team does. There's, I mean, like I said, you could definitely look at the injuries, and you can say, yeah, these injuries definitely played a big part in how this team is performing. But, I mean, even getting guys back hasn't really helped this team out a whole hell of a lot. I mean, yeah, you got Jimmy Madronda back, who I love, but that hasn't really helped the team a whole hell of a lot. You got Matt Beasler back after he was out for a little while. He hasn't really helped the team out a whole hell of a lot. The defense is still giving up. Uh, a bunch of goals to teams they probably shouldn't be giving up a bunch of goals to. I mean, they were hurt at the beginning of the year with Daniel Shallowy. You know, and even though he was not in there, they were still able to score goals. And yet, you know, since he's come back, they, for some reason, don't seem they can like they can score the kind of goals that they have. Or, you know, keeping Gerso in and their offense hasn't been consistent. Uh, they went out and got Benny Failhaber back after he was uh, he was playing over in Colorado. And it hasn't really helped them a whole hell of a lot. They've gotten a little bit better, but not a whole bunch. There's just a lot of things that are wrong with this team. And I think you can't just point to injuries and say that that's the problem. you could, you got to point to the organization. And blaming Vermees doesn't mean that we want to fire Vermees. We can just say, hey, you know, please do better. That's not a, a referendum on his job or anything. It just means, hey, we, you know, do a little better. Change your scheme up a little bit. You know, find lineups, find ways to help energize this team because this team still has a chance to make the playoffs. Hey, we have seen Seattle come back from being down in the depths of the Western conference and make the playoffs and then go deep in. So got to get healthy. Yeah. You got to get healthy, but you also, there's got to be some sort of strategic change that's going to help push this team further than what they are. It is our, uh, it is one of our most popular segments that we do. It's Julio's web hits coming up next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 